Welcome to Midnight Slumber. I am your host, Zach Miller. Join me as we take a journey through the alternate realities that take place after midnight. Don't you just hate being late for things? Especially something as important as a dinner date. In this story called Town of Food, we explore some of the more bizarre excuses. A man wearing khaki pants and a light blue dress shirt runs by me. He has sweat stains and a dull red tie trailing behind him that he clearly has worn too many times. This man hurries into a very pricey clothing store to meet up with his wife. The store is laced with gold-lined windows, and everything inside seems to be made of a gold fabric or fancy velvet. Even the mannequins are made of marble with gold flakes in them. Clearly this man is about to spend a lot of money. I imagine the reason for him running behind is due to him trying to finish a major project, or more likely, trying to earn a little extra in order to afford his wife's spending habits, because he obviously doesn't spend money on himself. I too am wandering through this very tall concrete mall, trying to meet up with my girlfriend. However, I am in no rush though, as she told me she would be shopping and plans to meet me at the restaurant when she's finished. This mall is different than any other mall I have been to. I came into this mall through the long, wide concrete ramp at the entrance. The reason the ramp is so big is that semi-trucks need a place to back up to to deliver their special and imported items. They come in from the parking garage that the ramp is connected to, which I know that doesn't seem revolutionary or important, but if you want to get to a certain floor of this mall, it is quickest to park on the same floor as you plan to shop. There is an elevator that lifts semis and cars to their desired floors. Wait, wait, wait. You said floors. Yeah, I said floors, as there are more floors than I can count. You'll see what I mean in a bit. Continuing, another cool feature of this mall is that it has no doors to the entrance, which allows for the natural breeze to come in and cool this place. The tall glass ceilings let the beautiful sunlight in to also help warm and regulate the temperature. This mall feels wonderful, and I wander through some shops, just to buy my time. I travel past the bright neon mall signs that are plastered on the walls, and a few of them in the middle of the hall. There are some round white tables with a few people enjoying their coffees and reading articles. Next to some of these tables are old newsstands with an array of magazines on them, as well as a few comics for kids and adults. I make my way over and peer over the edge to see an endless bottom with an uncountable number of floors. See what I mean? There are some palm trees that lean over from the floor below. They are a nice, beautiful green with massive leaves. A flock of birds flies up from them and onto my floor, heading in the direction I'm needing to travel. As I wander through each shop, I am slowly making my way to the restaurant. All the shops here are unique in style and design, 
Even the comic shop on this floor is designed to look like a high-end parlor with its fancy wooden chairs and giant oak bar. There are high-end drinks on display next to some rare and expensive comics. As I walk past the high-end stylist and into the sports store, I realize everything here is way out of my price range. I know I was not planning on buying anything on this floor, but I really should just move on as everyone here is dressed fairly well and I am just in a collared t-shirt and shorts. Slyly stepping out of these shops unnoticed, I make my way over to the elevators. I take the black and gold elevator down one level as I am at the very top and the restaurant I need to be at is just one level below. The elevator is quick and as I step out, I am greeted with a warm smile from the host at the front. I walk up to the finely dressed fellow and ask about my reservation as well as if my girlfriend has shown up yet. He and his female counterpart look at the sheet laying in a fine leather binding. After a moment of searching, they look up with a smile and tell me, No, but we would be glad to go ahead and feed you. I follow them out to the patio, which has a very open and tall overhang since there is no floor above it. The table is made of a fine black marble with gold flakes and a bronze set of legs. The ceiling overhang is decorated with glass chandeliers, clearly meant for night use, but still sparkle brightly during the day. The table I am seated at is next to the railing which extends out past the building. As the two hosts walk away, I look out to see the blue sky and clouds below me. That sight causes me to pause and take a second glance at what I'm looking at. I slowly look over the edge and see that I am on top of a skyscraper, except that the whole skyscraper is a mall. I'm so high up that the clouds are blocking my view of the ground. Who knows how tall this mall really is? I slowly pull myself away from the edge and sit back down. Catching my breath and noting that the railing I was leaning over is not very tall, had I leaned over any further, I would have fallen over. As I turn to call the waiter over to ask a lot of questions, I see that the restaurant has vanished, and in its place is a town. Now I really have got a lot of questions. It is not an ordinary town, but a town completely made of food. Everything. I mean, everything in this town is made of food, and some of it is giant. There's a massive clock tower made of every kind of chocolate, a car made out of a giant orange, and people that are made from all kinds of food. One person looks to be made of spaghetti and meatballs, while another is made of celery and peanut butter. Dumbfounded, I rise up from my seat and begin walking through the town across their pizza-laden streets. I avoid stepping in the cheese and just walk across the pepperonis as I see the rest of the people doing. I make my way over to the mozzarella stick sidewalks and continue to follow this road. Everything looks and smells fantastic. I could easily eat the sidewalk I'm walking on. I know, I know, that might sound a little gross, but since the people here are made of food, I'm not too worried about germs. Nothing is rotten, it all looks fresh. I reach down to touch the sidewalk, and it's warm, as if it were freshly baked. Up ahead, I see a burger building, a building literally made from a giant cheeseburger. 
Making my way over, the people begin hurrying inside. Before I can even get close to them or the door, they shout telling me to hide. Hurry! You must find cover! I look behind me and see a waffle cone building that is close by, and the people inside are waving me over with a worried look on their face. Before I can even take a step towards them, I see a group of vile monsters slam into the parked cars. They begin eating them and the people inside. These creatures are bigger than the average person, round, and have fur all over them. Slime pours from their mouths as they chomp down on everything around them. One of the creatures in the group spots me and darts in my direction. The others follow with half-eaten food and slime dripping from their mouths and hands. I take off, sprinting as fast as I can. I hear them stomping and slamming into the buildings behind me. They want me more than they want this food. They want a taste of something different. Skipping across the pepperonis and over the sidewalk, I dart down a thin bread alley in between two massive celery stalk buildings. I squeeze through the other side which has turned to bricks, scraping my shirt and skin on the way out. As I stumble to my feet, I see a tall ferris wheel which is made of metal, slowly spinning in front of me. Darting forward, I jump into the closest black and white box as it starts to go up. As I sit, I catch my breath, seeing that the creatures can't get through the thin alley. They claw and bite, but are too squishy and soft to do any damage to the bricks. After a moment of struggle, they leave, heading back into their town. Taking in a deep breath, I lean back in my seat and see that I am not alone in here. My girlfriend is smiling at me, almost laughing. I smile back, winded, wondering why she is cracking up. She looks at me with a twinkle in her eye and says, You went to the wrong restaurant, didn't you? Confused, before I can say, Duh, no, you didn't show up. I realize that the box we are in has a small table in it, which lays in between us. It is filled with food and drinks. Steaks sit on fine silver plates with grapes and cheese on the side. The wine in front of us is a beautiful dark red. I smile, realizing my mistake. I finally have made it to our dinner date. We kiss and watch the sunset as we rise into the clouds. This next story makes me wonder, how big can you make a water park? Here is the story, Ice Water Park. It is really cold. Even with the layers upon layers of clothing covering me, I'm freezing. I am surrounded by thick walls of ice and snow at my feet. I also have orange skis strapped tightly to those feet. In front of me is a tunnel of ice that drops to an almost 90 degree angle. The ice is melting rapidly and is pouring over the edge in front of me. Next to me is a lifeguard. He's dressed in nothing more than their signature red shorts, sunglasses, and a red winter cap. I don't know how he's not freezing leaning against that metal chair being shirtless. 
He looks down the tunnel, watching my friends who have gone ahead of me, all the while holding his hand ridiculously close to my face, telling me to wait till the all clear. After a moment, lifeguard turns to me and gives me the okay to go. Nervously, I push off, heading straight for the drop. This seems like a terrible idea, yet I'm going to do it anyway with no prior experience to skiing. How I got these skis on in the first place boggles my mind. The ice shines and screams at me, telling me to go back, but it's too late. I crest over the edge and begin plummeting down. The ice on the sides looks sharp enough to cut through metal, and I am only a few feet away from it. If I slip up, I'm going to be terribly injured. Next to me is a flowing stream of water passing over the ice. As I gain speed, the flow of the water starts to stand still, and then goes backwards as I speed past it. I hold my form as best I can to try and enjoy this near-vertical descent. My skis bounce and slide across the ice, making it hard to do so. No sign of my friends, which is a good thing. It means they made it to the bottom, hopefully in one piece and alive. As I near the end of the tunnel, I feel weightless. The opening is bright and shines with a brilliant blue as I am slowly stopped by the soft snow at the bottom. Coming to a halt, I pull myself out of the deep snow and look back at the tunnel I shot out of. I'm in awe, and I notice my friends are walking back towards the tunnel. The last part of the tunnel was a vertical drop of at least 100 feet or more. How we survive that is probably a full semester worth of physics lessons. My friends and I climb on and sit back as the lift takes us up. I see another person go by and realize that this was a ride. We are in a water park. Hold on. What kind of madman makes a ride like that? Clearly, I am thinking to myself as no one answers me. As we rise, we continue to see other people skiing down. Even a little kid goes. This can't be safe for anyone. I felt as if I would have died if I had screwed up. However, as the kid passes, I notice a clear bubble around him. So if he did fall or mess up, he's completely enclosed and safe. Once we reach the top, everything levels out and we slide off the bench. Turning our skis to the massive public racks, we head into the locker rooms that change out of our winter clothing and into our bathing suits. The locker room is your standard locker room other than the fact people are changing into two completely different seasons depending on which side of the park they want to be on. We exit fully sunscreened up like vampires and ready to ride. It's nice and warm on this side. There are tons of pools and water slides to choose from. I see one that twists and launches people into the air, landing in a massive pool. Apparently, that's the one we are going to. We run over to it and quickly climb up the stairs, which are just as windy as the slide we are about to go down. There aren't too many people here as it is the off-season, which is great as we are able to get to the front of the line in no time. I grab the metal bar and fling myself down the plastic tube. It twists and turns, making me spin in all kinds of directions until I reach the last part. The slide drops me a good three stories before going vertical for one, launching me high into the air. As I soar through the air, I can see most of the park. 
there are two extremely tall slides off to my left and one big spinning swing nearby. Along the edge of the park is a lazy river that'll take you around the entire vicinity. Before I can take note of everything, I splash down into the pool, which is extremely deep. The bubbles from the impact clear out from around my face as I continue to descend. In the pool, I can see other creatures swimming under the glass. There are sharks, brightly colored fish, and even a whale that swims by. I'm mesmerized by them, but realize I must move or my brother is going to land on top of me. I scramble out of the way as he splashes down next to me. I am once again blinded by bubbles as I make my way out of the pool. Standing at the exit, soaking wet, my brother comes out and grabs my arm, pulling me in the direction of the next ride. We rush over to the two twin slides nearby. They are the tallest in the park and have a magical splendor to them. There is even an elevator system which takes people to the top. Stepping on this old, wooden, and open cage, we take note of the slides. One of the slides goes straight down, while the other is enclosed with some windows to let light in as it violently twists downward. When we get to the top, a kid dives down the enclosed slide before the lifeguard can stop him. He looks at us and tells us to go down the other. My brother goes first and I immediately follow him. We rocket down this giant slide, plummeting for what seems like minutes. At the bottom, the slide gently curves, catching us and launching us across the surface of the pool, skipping like rocks. When we come to a stop, we look back and see the kid trying to climb up the slide. We try to warn the kid and the lifeguard, but a gush of water comes out and launches the kid back into the pool. Another guard quickly grabs the kid and hands him off to his mother. She stomps off with him in anger. That kid is definitely going home and probably going to be grounded for a month. We continue over to the lazy river, laughing at what just happened. I grab a big yellow float and jump in. The water is perfectly clear. Fish swim under us behind thick glass and I relax as we float around the park. As we twist and turn through the walkways and rides, I get a little view of everything. There are so many rides to choose from and cool places to hang out and eat. There is one restaurant that is an actual old pirate ship. The lazy river starts to go up without increasing in speed. We are slowly moving up a giant sand dune, allowing us to see more and more of the park. This elevated view shows me that the park goes on for miles. As we continue to rise, the hill slowly turns into a snowy mountain. Now, we can see the winter side too. This winter wonderland has a mountain for all snow sports, including bobsledding and a giant snowball fighting arena. With as much stuff as they have, we could easily be here for days. If you'd like to leave a comment, find out more about this show, or just say how much you hate spiders, check the links in the description. I'm your host, Zach Miller, and thanks for listening. Have a good midnight slumber. <laughs>